Hey there, we're going to do something kind of unusual for this episode. It is mainly just one interview and I am the one being interviewed. It's a chance for me to look back with someone I like and trust on what I've learned this year and to look ahead. So in a minute, I'm going to hand things over to TK Dutess. She's a radio host and podcast maker I really respect. And I got a great big dose of her work this fall when she put out two amazing stories in 24 hours. One was the first episode in a podcast called Open World. It featured an author named N.K. Jameson reading and talking about her work, which I loved. Oh, and like a few hours after I heard it, N.K. Jameson won a MacArthur Genius Award, which made me feel super in the know. And that same day, TK hosted an episode of NPR's Life Kit about how to do a career change. And a big chunk of that episode was about her transition to becoming a radio producer after 15 years as a nurse. And I was like, oh, I think I know who I want to debrief 2020 with. This is an arm and a leg, a show about the cost of healthcare. I'm Dan Weissman. I'm a reporter and I like a challenge. So my job on this show is to take one of the most enraging, terrifying, depressing issues in American life and bring you something entertaining, empowering, and useful. And here to help me this time out, actually to take over from most of this episode, is TK Dutess. Hello. Hi. 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 Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so happy to be here. And you know what's wild? So like that whole NPR life kit about my career change. When you hit me up, I was like, oh, my God. I was just waiting for someone to ask the question about like, how does being formerly a healthcare professional play into radio? And also, like, when will you ever get to meet the two? And then when you said, hey, you want to come on my show? I was like, yes, I do. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) And the craziest thing was that as a healthcare professional, I was doing radio at the very same time, but like slow drips, right? And because I needed the flexibility, I took a nursing job that did not provide insurance. I was working for, I think it was like 16 or 17 years and not being insured as a healthcare professional. It was the most official, unofficial job for so long, but it's the only one that afforded me you know, the money to pay for school and the time to learn things about radio on the side. Oh, my gosh. You And then I quit. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a really, yeah. that's a big sacrifice. That's a lot. I was, like, eating garlic and drinking orange juice for yeah. so long. <laughs> oh, my So, God. as a grown-up, I just got insurance last year as a grown-up. Oh, my God. Yeah. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. So your show is doing a lot for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's I mean, that's a that's a lot. It's a lot of risk. I mean, I think about people doing different things, right? Like taking time out of earning, taking out loans. That's one kind of like risk encumbrance. And you were doing it a different way. It was it was just like the risk was happening in the moment. And I was just. I think what happened was 17 years ago, I was young enough not to care, right? right? I was young enough to feel like I would never die, I would never get sick or whatever, and now I'm not. Um, I'm a grown grown up now, and turns out, uh, let's just say 39 is the year that everything starts to break. So I'm glad I have a little... (laughs) <laughs> a little something now, but I think I would have loved having your show in my life th- that time. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I'm just glad to be here. And you make me smile on this show that's so scary with my avoidant personality <laughs> that doesn't want to do paperwork or yeah, right. call people. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I have so many questions for you. Great. But before we get started, I wanted to ask you, like, how are you? Oh, thank you. That's a loaded question. Thank you so much for asking. Um, like, basically, I'm, I'm good. You know, making the show feels really good. I'm really, 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 really lucky. And all of the kind of various forms of privilege that have always informed my life are, like, absolutely showing themselves. And so, like, I work from home. My family is here. Nobody in my immediate circle has been in dire trauma, knock wood. You know, so it's living in these weird conditions is an adjustment, but way easier for me than for so many people. Um, and I have, you know, the work that I get to do feels super meaningful. And so it's kind of like I just run my life. Like it feels like all one thing, doing the show, managing myself so that I can kind of be healthy enough to do it, like emotionally and physically and whatever else and like in okay shape and managing my life with my family. And like I kind of run the kitchen. So like making sure we're all fed and like that we clean up after ourselves because we're all here all the time. You know, it's weird. It's compressed. But man, uh yeah, I'm super lucky. And we play Boggle with yeah. my mom every night still on Zoom. And so, you know, I just want it to keep going. Like, I feel like yeah. since the beginning of the pandemic, I have felt like, man, I have it good. And how can yeah. I, you know, preserve it and, and find some way to pay it forward? The whole first season of your show, you and your wife were trying to figure out how to, you know, how you were going to get health insurance, like good health insurance. Your story reminds me of like the different, when you have to get used to a different life, it reminds me of like me, like I said, like I literally just got insurance last year when I got a full-time corporate gig. Oh but what I was re remembering when you were telling the story was like how I was living before yeah. for so long, which was like, just like life hacks, right? Like, okay, so uh, I need to check on my like women's health and stuff. Where can I go? Yeah. So then you like get on Google and you look up, okay, well, Planned Parenthood and all these sliding scale places and you just tell them, you know, how much you don't make. <laughs> yeah. Um and 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 you it's but the difference between the the care and the facilities are staggering cuz I would go to these places that were depressing that would make you not want to come back because of how sad and just not it was just not a nice place to go receive health care, right? Yeah. Generally. And they do their best to put up like a hang in there poster, but the, <laughs> but like that's it, right? <laughs> like a hang in there cat. <laughs> but now with the uh, privileged people insurance, right. yeah. I, I went to the doctor's office. It's at the top of like I see the Statue of Liberty outside. <laughs> I see the water. Yeah. And I'm like, am I is this what it feels is Am I wealthy now? Is yeah. this what it feels like? Wow. And the disparity every time I go now, still, it's still so new to me that yeah. it it kind of weirds me out. Yeah. Wow. Still. Wow. Yeah. 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 With all this, yeah. Like, what are the most surprising feelings you've had during the pandemic? That feeling of the first few months of just being on absolute high alert all the time. Like there was that feeling, I don't remember exactly when it faded, but it was like the first few months we were just like this feeling of like everything, the, the image 
for me is coming home from the grocery store. You know, we would like put in an order, go pick our things and come back and be like, we didn't get the something, anything. I don't know that, you know, the, you know, my coffee or, yeah. you know, like, ah! and I would like have a freak out that would last the rest of the morning and be very unpleasant to be around. Cause I was, I, I mean, whatever, we had other food to eat in the house. Like it, I could make scrambled eggs all week. Like we weren't going to starve. Yeah. But it was just a feeling of like, I did all the planning. I did all the, I, we did like that was, I really lost it there over the shredded mozzarella cheese that didn't come in. So I couldn't make the pizza I had in mind. Like I really yeah. had a quite a moment there. You basically, you're getting more self-reflective. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But once that feeling of like high alert all the time, these days I'm like, okay, that didn't come. Um, You know, I can be, uh, yeah. you know, I can live with it. But everything does require a little more planning, having to kind of be reflective about what I need or what my family's going to need, what's going to happen, because you don't have to like, you know, if I feel like it, I could just go do this. I could just, uh, I'm feeling down. I think I'll just go, I'll go to a bookstore. I'll go like, I'll go ask a friend if they want to have a beer. I'll go, you know, do whatever. Like, no, everything has to be decided and planned and from a limited menu. Um, So get clear about what, you know, what you need. So is there a new normal? Like, are we living the new normal right now? I think about that a lot. So I was listening to a super early episode from during the pandemic and talking with Sabrina Corlett, who runs a center on health insurance at Georgetown. She's a lawyer. She keeps track of all the laws. And she was helping us understand what's covered, what's not covered. Congress passed laws saying COVID tests are covered. And at the end of that conversation, I was like, so how are you feeling? She was like, I'm really worried. And she said she was worried about where we're going as a society that we we had all these disparities going in and how much are they going to get amplified because the pandemic was showing us where so many of the those those disparities were yeah and were we going to you know pull together and understand that our social contract needs some looks and create some version of a more equitable social contract um or were we not and she said you know the 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 world without that looks a little dystopian. Yeah. Maybe more Where do you think little. we're at? Dystopia currently, or are we yeah, on right? the yeah. brink of hope? It, well, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't look great. I mean, so then, you know, in our, a, a week or two ago, we talked with uh, this guy, Andy Slavitt, who like helped run healthcare under Barack Obama. And he's connected with all these people in the Biden administration, essentially. And I was like, what do you see? Are we going to get there? And he basically, you know, what I took his answer to be was like, no. I think about that a lot. You know, we're, we're, okay, there's a vaccine, you know, as we speak, it's like the day one of somebody's going to get a needle in their arm and it's it's beginning. There's some provisions for like pretty much everybody to have access to a vaccine without that being a major financial hurdle. Although Sabrina Corlett, who we talked to in those early episodes, published something just this week, indicated like, yeah, there's gaps there, but there's also all the other divisions and disparities you know, there does not seem to be a lot of will to shift them. Not, I mean, like starting with our healthcare system, yeah. right? We're not looking at a great big overhaul of that. And as you've, you know, as you just said, like you're you're experiencing that divide in a new way right now. You've you've crossed over, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, it's interesting because I think about it also. I mean, you know, I'm the, I'm usually the race guy in the room. <laughs> 
surprise. Um, you know, and I, I think about the new normal there and I'm like, there's never a new normal for marginalized communities because it often hinges on whether the thing affects the majority. Right. And, and for me, usually the majority is white people. So when COVID gets bad enough or is, is it bad enough now that like white people are so incensed that, that we need to change things or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think of like, I've always been living this normal. This is not a new normal for me. The disparities, the gaps, they've always been there and there's never any interest in fixing them until it affects the majority. Now, of course, there are a lot of gaps here, but I'm always thinking about the gaps in our healthcare system, how much it costs. So that's where I'm going to bring the conversation right after this. This episode of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service covering healthcare in America. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with the big healthcare outfit, Kaiser Permanente. You'll have a little more information about Kaiser Health News at the end of this episode. So, TK was making the point that our society is full of disparities, full of gaps, brokenness, and fixing them only becomes a priority when they hit people with privilege. I said, from what I see, from my reporting, you might expect we'd be past that kind of tipping point. I mean, just with healthcare, it affects the majority now. You know, yep. you know for our last episode, I talked with a woman who studies insurance from the Kaiser Family Foundation, and she pointed out they did a study where like 50% of people with employer-sponsored health insurance have deferred or skipped something they need medically in the last year because of money. Wow. And that's, again, that's the subset of people who have jobs where the employer provides insurance, which leaves out a ton of people. So if half of the people with what we think of as like the good kind of insurance are saying like, I can't actually afford the treatment that I know I should be getting, then this is the majority. This is every, this is all of us. So, okay, we're all in trouble. What are the mechanisms by which we actually, you know, grab the steering wheel and do something about it? You know, I think the stories you're telling are super important and the people need the information. I'm wondering if we're expecting, you know, all these all these folks. You have like superheroes on your show, basically everyday superheroes. They come on. They tell you about how, you know, they had an illness or their their loved one had an illness and how they challenged the system and they fought or they came from the brink. You had uh, Caitlin in Florida who came from the brink of COVID to then fight bankruptcy, right? Like, are we expecting too much from people? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm so angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's two ways to hear these stories, right? And one of them is like, Okay, heroism exists. It's a thing. And I talk to people all the time who are doing this, who are, who are living regular lives. Um, yeah. And the other is like, oh, my God, that's way too much to ask of all of us. That's insane. That's awful. That's, you know, I'm so angry. It's both. Yeah. How do we keep them encouraged? Like, how do you drag someone out of the pits of that despair? Like, how do we keep the good energy? It's a super good question. I don't exactly know. But we had this episode recently where I talked with somebody who's like a self-defense expert. Their advice was very holistic, right? That kind of self-defense is is kind of taking care of yourself, setting boundaries, keeping your peace of mind so that you can be effective. You ask like, 
how do we keep them encouraged? I'm like, well, how do I keep myself encouraged? That's my that's the whole question of the show. Yeah, and yeah. talking to people who are experts in that is going to be a thing I'm going to keep wanting to do. Asking that question of people who are these superheroes who are making it work one way or another, but like getting right into it of like, how do you make this work? You know, what's your kind of spiritual regimen essentially? So I think I want to go to the listener questions. I have a a few. I kind of went through your inbox a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. Aaron, whose cousin has a teenage child, um, who was care flighted a few days ago to a children's hospital in Dallas with a brain bleed. She's going to have brain surgery any day now. She's got a lot of PT and bills in her future. I'd love to be able to send them some easily digestible resources to help keep this from ruining them financially. Do you have anything put together like that? I can't tell you how meaningful it is to me that you're doing this. You're a force for change, and I'm excited to see more people get on board. That is so nice, that last part. And the first part, I'm just like, holy crap. I mean, I feel like this is really important, right? Get a really get get some easily digestible advice that people can follow, and it's hard because yeah, because we have a non system. There is no one thing like the healthcare system, like you're in right now, TK. Yeah. You know where you're a, you you have this fancy insurance, you have access to rich people healthcare. You know is very yeah. different from the healthcare system that you were in previously, and the strategies for navigating it are different. Yeah, that's one great big macro divide. But really, everywhere you go, every insurance company you look at, every place you could get treated has their own system, their own way of doing things. So there's there isn't a kind of one size fits all kind of advice. But there is yeah. like what I do here consistently is like paperwork comes in, examine it closely. Yeah. Check to see that things match. Set aside time, basically, and set aside rewards for yourself for eating all the raw broccoli that you're going to have to eat to like to chew through all the paperwork, to Google all the terms, to go to websites where you can look up what's the going rate for things in your area, to read your health insurance policy really closely, to go to Google and Reddit and, you know, this show or wherever else, like look for every piece of advice you can. It's a giant enterprise. So I think prepare for it to be a big enterprise and get all the help you yeah. can and rope in Everybody you think can support you, you know, in any way you can, whether it's your friend who's a CPA, your friend who can hook you up with a good drink afterwards, with whatever it is that you need to make it work, because it's a giant thing. Yeah. Let's do a little wind down. So what's next? Are you going to keep covering COVID? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we've been kind of doing a mix of stories and, you know, focused a lot on that question of like, how do we defend ourselves against awful charges and medical bills. And we've had in the last few weeks shifted back to the pandemic because I mean, the numbers are rising. There's a lot to do. And it's kind of the end of the year. And it's time for us to look back as the next year unfolds. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the pandemic's going anywhere. Yeah. You no, know, there's going to be questions we're going to need to ask. There's a lot to think about a lot for 2021. I'm projecting and let me know if this is like a possibility even that I feel like there's going to be COVID scams. You know, like people that are going to use this time and they're seeing where the loopholes are and they're finding a way that over time they'll just scam the system slash the people. We've seen it already. You know, from the springtime, people found there were unscrupulous providers that found loopholes in the law that said, if you are not in network with an insurance company, the insurance company has to pay you whatever you want 
for a COVID test. And so what? there were people charging insurance companies $6,000 for a COVID test. Wow. There it is. ProPublica was running stories about people who were getting federal contracts for supplying personal protective equipment who did not seem to have any business getting contracts like that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's been it's it's happening already. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Where there's money, there'll be scams. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that could be like the uh, subtitle for our show. <laughs> um, Dan, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to, I don't know, fellowship with you because this is what it really <laughs> felt like. <laughs> Church fellowship preach right here um thank thank you you so so much for having me it's so fun to talk with you yeah thank you all right uh i think my work is done here (laughs) so i'm gonna turn it over you to you dan uh so you can get these credits popping (laughs) thanks dk thank you so much thank you All right. Thank you to the awesome TK Dutess. And thank you to everyone who has been supporting this show. During Newsmatch, anything you give us counts for double because they match you. They are amazing. You are amazing. Thanks to you, we are about three quarters of the way to maxing out what Newsmatch will give us. And we would love to hit that match. That is money they are waiting to give us. And you can help. Here's like the most efficient way. If you can see your way to making a new monthly pledge to the show, they'll actually give us 12 times that monthly amount, like a whole year's worth of donations up front or anything you want, including a one-time donation of any amount. Newsmatch is waiting to double it through the end of December. The place to go is www.armandalegshow.com slash support. That's armandalegshow.com slash support. And if that is just not in the cards for you, do not sweat it. Just keep listening. Hang in there. I'm rooting for you. And please root for me. I'm hoping to get a little holiday bonus episode to you before the end of the year. Till then, take care of yourself. An Arm and a Leg is produced by me, Dan Weissman, and edited by Marion Wang. Daisy Rosario is our consulting managing producer. Adam Raimunda is our audio wizard, and Adam contributed original music to this episode. Additional music is from Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. Camila Salazar helped produce this episode. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service about healthcare in America, an editorially independent program of the Kaiser Family Foundation. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente, the big healthcare outfit. They share an ancestor. This guy, Henry J. Kaiser, had his hands in a lot of different stuff, really different, like smelted aluminum, owned TV stations, built cars, and one of the first big resorts in Hawaii. When he died more than 50 years ago, he left half his money to the foundation that later created Kaiser Health News. You can learn more about him and Kaiser Health News at armandalegshow.com slash Kaiser. Diane Weber is national editor for broadcast, and Tanya English is senior editor for broadcast innovation at Kaiser Health News. They're editorial liaisons to this show. Thanks to Public Narrative, a Chicago-based group that helps journalists and nonprofits tell better stories for serving as our fiscal sponsor, allowing us to accept tax-exempt donations. You can learn more about Public Narrative at www.publicnarrative.org. Finally, thank you to some of the folks who have pitched in at armandalegshow.com slash support. Thanks this time to John Alexander, Sean Gowers, Chelsea Cooling, Sylvia Fink, Adam Milgram, Mitch Surpernaw, Tracy Eliason, Brittany Cloak, Katie Gilmore, Mike Hurley, Gil Chavez, and Alec Ricciuti. Thank you.